0: recording in progress everyone seems to hate her I'm like i've talked to a lot of podcasts on zoom and everyone's like the lady's coming
1: it's fine we, she's, she's, she's she rules our, our lives now. yeah uh,
0: she's immediately a I at robot be... i have an affection for her she can't do anything to hurt us so no.
2: yeah there should, a... there should at least be an option where it's like when i'm with this group of people remember that it's okay
3: yeah. right. Yeah. Oh. It is the blood oath that we all had to give in order to be into her services is just, uh, uh, just a little
2: sketchy, you know? Uh, she she has some compromising info on all of us. Who are hey, we? Yeah, Nord
4: Candine yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> Bounty hunting is a complicated profession.
4: Listeners, welcome to a very, very special episode of The Podularian. Tonight we'll have the privilege of having a chat with author Emma Mieko Kandon about Ronin. We will be going in depth about Ronin, so if you want to avoid spoilers for the book, please turn this episode off and come back after you finish reading it. You're going to want to read it without knowing where it's going, I promise. So we have a lot to talk about, so let's dive right into the interview. Hi, Emma, and welcome to Hi. Rogue Podrin.
0: Thank you for having me. A cat is sniffing my toes. I'm fine. I'm <laughs> that tough. happens. She Most of us have animals noises.
3: within a few feet yeah. of us <laughs> at all times. Huge
2: Rogue Podrin energy right off the bat.
3: Yeah. Oh,
0: well, if I make any weird noises, please blame pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Great disclaimer.
4: <laughs> So we're so excited to have you here to talk about Star Wars. Um, A little background, we have been going over and doing um, episodes about Star Wars visions. And so we've taken like a couple of the shorts each time to break down and discuss. And so this is kind of a a bonus um, to talk about. And so we're really excited, but can you give a quick introduction about yourself and anything you'd like us or our listeners to know?
0: Sure. Yeah. Hi. I'm uh, Emma Mia Cocandon. I use she they pronouns, and um, the way I've been self-describing in my sort of elevator pitch of this is me is I am a chronically ill queer cyborg of Japanese mixed Japanese descent, uh, fourth generation settler in Hawaii, and I write books great we read one of your books
3: (laughs) we are a podcast and we read one of your books
0: yeah uh escaped academic uh fan of mediocre robots oh yeah yeah no they're great they're best when like they haven't been taught by the algorithms to do capitalism at us so i guess i like them shoddy
5: (laughs) oh i love a shoddy robot so much yeah (laughs) It's true.
0: Okay,
1: well,
4: let's have the rogues introduce ourselves with our names, pronouns, and what you love most about Star Wars Visions in general. So, Danny, can you start?
3: Uh, hi, I'm Danny. Pronouns are they and them. And I, uh, oh man, like, I don't even know where to begin with Star Wars Visions. It's just like, what a, what a, um, like, perspective-altering, opening experience to to see, Star Wars sort of kind of back to its roots in a way or back to its stolen roots perhaps I don't know but it's uh it's it, it was just I just the the chance to see so many different interpretations of the saga that we obviously love enough to sit here and talk to each other about it for hours on end and and uh and see these nine different episodes that were all so distinct, and yet every single one of them was so obviously Star Wars. It's just, it, it was, it was, uh, I will never look at this space opera franchise again after after the series, I think. Which
5: you'll I don't never know. look at it again <laughs> the same way, the same way. Yeah. Did
3: I say <laughs> the, the same that way was again?
4: A slip daddy <laughs> um, after this episode, no more Star
3: Wars. anime only,
4: <laughs> yes. Um,
5: Seth. Oh me, um. Hi, I'm Saf. Uh, I use she/her pronouns. Um, I what I like about Star Wars: Visions is that it gives Star Wars a chance to be really weird in a way that it can't otherwise because of animation. Um, and I like Star Wars when it's weird, very much.
4: Um, Heath.
2: Heath. He. Him. Um. I just the animation was just so beautiful in all of it. Like I was just like gape at the beauty of the animation. Um. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and haven't been an anime watcher, but think I am now ready to dip my toe into that world a little bit more after this, because it's just like, I can watch more things that look like that. Yeah, I would like to do that.
4: Amazing. Um, And I'm Meg, she, her, uh, and I have been like a baby otaku since I was 10 years old. So it's been like 24 years now and all I ever wanted was anime Star Wars. <laughs> um, Cause those are my two biggest favorite things put together and Star Wars visions exceeded my dreams and my expectations. So I was just really happy to have that. Um, but yeah, so now Emma, we're gonna, do a lightning round of getting to know you questions. Uh, these don't think too hard about them; they are not hard. Uh, no, all, I think about
5: them. All responses okay, no, are correct. look,
0: they're, they're hard for me. I'm not. I was looking at these questions. I was going, "Oh God, I'm not. I've never had an easy time." Like. Quickly or simply identifying with anything, like mm. I resort to BuzzFeed quizzes to tell me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like all those quizzes we used to write when we were like the tweens on the internet about, yes. like, which Harry Potter are you, or which and now it's like, which Naruto are you, and I'm like, I don't know, tell me.
2: So, <laughs> you need a non capitalist robot to tell you
0: who you are. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll do my best, but Great. I probably. I, I, I apologize in advance for all the qualifiers I'm about to give you.
3: That is okay. We'll just preface it
4: that this is the answer you have right at this moment, and (laughs) you're a multifaceted (laughs) human being. Cool. (laughs) Great. So if you were an anime genre, which would you be
0: and why? Okay. So I want to say that I would be one of those like really tidy and beautiful uh, 12-episode original animes, but I think... More likely, I am that, but it's 24 episodes, and you're thinking the whole time, (laughs) this should have been 12. (laughs) Also, it went real off the rails at the end there. Those are great,
4: though. (laughs) Those are so good. (laughs) Okay, if you were one of the Star Wars Vision shorts, which would
0: you be and why? Oh, God. Uh, I don't think I came up with a good answer for this, because I want to say The Village Bride, because I really like it. And I think it has that beautiful, like, obsession with the quotidian, like, coupled with the mythic. But, oh. <laughs> um, I don't have a better that was answer. A great it's just answer. the one I like. That's that a good answer. answer.
4: <laughs> okay, so which Star Wars character do you most closely identify with?
0: This is definitely hard because I don't typically identify with characters so much as, like, I get really obsessed with concepts. Mm. But at the same time, I do have to acknowledge the fact that while watching Rogue One, as soon as Chirut and Baze were on screen, I was actively weeping in my seat for like no. Oh, discernible you just one makeover.
3: So, I think you and Meg might be the same person. <laughs> those <laughs> and, <laughs> for my, uh, those like, are
0: my space uncles. I, I realized love them so much like at first I, I assumed for a very long time until just recently that it was purely because. It was the first time I was seeing any kind of East Asian representation. Like they're Chinese, I'm Japanese, they're pulling from sort of a Tibetan heritage. But at the same time, there was this resonance I had never been given before. But I realized while chatting with someone oh my God, I think it's also because I was sitting there with my wife and we immediately turned to each other. And we're like, they're married, right? They are married. <laughs> they're absolutely. married.
1: 100% yeah. married. So like,
0: I think it was that, that mix, those two things, this like visibility familiarity and like another kind of visibility of like, oh, okay.
4: <laughs> they're absolutely married. <laughs> and yeah. I will fight anyone to the death who says otherwise.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, just you the way that, right? the way they behave so to each other. God, yeah. yeah, They were divorced for a while, but they're working on it.
1: Oh. yeah. yeah. It one, one, of them moved, one of them
0: moved out a for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so, one of them yeah. went
2: and slept somewhere else for a few months, but then they got yeah.
0: through it. Yeah, no, they're like they're 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 fine. It's okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but since you mentioned it, which Star Wars concept do you most closely identify with, and why?
0: Also, hard. It's more like I'm (laughs) interested in things, but there are things that grab me and I start like really zeroing in on it. Uh, I've always liked the people who are the neighbors to the space wizards Mm. who are like that guy. Is weird. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what he's doing, yeah. and sometimes his ideas suck.
2: That's so relatable. We all have really weird neighbors. We're like, what the fuck is up with this guy?
3: Every other day, neighbor, there's a means... new hole in the wall or a limb
4: missing. I don't know. The problem Can is, is that oh, I'm the weird neighbor. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, if you don't a <laughs> weird yeah.
5: neighbor, you are the weird neighbor, and that's me.
4: Yeah, yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, most of us have gone really into D and D lately. So, which D and D class, like, would you pick, and why?
0: Okay, so when I was first introduced to D&D as a kid, I immediately gravitated towards both bard and sorcerers. Mm. But as I've grown older, I've started to like come to the horrified realization that I'm probably a wizard. Because my <laughs> tendency, again, is concepts. Yeah. I'll go like, ooh, tell me more about that thing. And then I'm off reading like five books about it. Like, oh God, I'm a nerd.
1: It's big wizard <laughs> energy, yeah.
3: <laughs> okay, but are you telling me that the author of Ronin is a big fan of bards and sorcerers?
0: Oh, fuck. (laughs) I never would have guessed. Absolute, like, what? Where did that come from? My God, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny, I went, like, a few months before I was like really starting to like gain traction on Twitter, um, there was one of those posts about, like, what vibe do I give off for D&D classes? And I reblogged that because I was genuinely curious based on what little I had presented the internet with. And everybody said bard, 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 bard. And I'm like, I feel very called out. <laughs> uh anyway. Um so
4: <laughs> we have on the on the podcast, we have a weird relationship with Panera. <laughs> um, <laughs> one, have you been to a Panera? <laughs>
0: Like, okay, um, two or three times. We don't have them here.
4: Okay. That's enough.
2: You'll remember okay. it forever if you've been right. I
0: know. So. I like
4: soup. <laughs> Soup's good. Yeah. Okay, yes. great. So at Panera, they have a you pick two combo. So it's like two different things from the menu. What would you pick and why?
0: <laughs> uh, Not even the why, but just what would you pick? Is the bread bowl a two? One of the mm-hmm. two? Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, soup and a bread bowl. I just... I like soup and I like <laughs> bread. It's a good combo.
1: Whatever well,
2: think- genius was like, what if you ate your soup, but then could eat the bowl too?
0: <laughs> I, oh geez. i was <laughs> there. Making-
4: the first time it's- I ate a bread bowl. <laughs> yes. It was amazing. It was you- so exciting. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's finally starting to get cold enough for me to get away with making stews. So I'm just gonna oh, do nice. that for the next four months. Perfect all you need
3: to do i believe that soup is a year-round food item and i will treat it as such much to the dismay of my housemate.
4: but <laughs> it's like a 90 degree day. i'm like i made not soup for
5: lunch horrible midway summers on.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
4: i'm not waiting till november for soup come on just have cold soup to to be fair i do make beef stew like year round
0: yeah
4: um, yeah no you, you got it you got it all right so now we're going to jump into some questions about Star Wars because this is a Star Wars podcast. Keith, <laughs> take it away.
2: I was really interested in like the process. I'm like really fascinated by like tie-ins and like all of that. So, what can you tell us about the process of this whole thing? Like what stages of development of the short were you brought into so you could keep moving forward with your project while maintaining the spirit of it like What was that relationship like?
0: Okay, so I was brought in after they had selected the duel. So they knew that was the one they wanted to work with. And uh, what I got, I think the very first night was the original script. And then a couple days later, I was given access to a very early draft of the animation. And that early draft of the animation had all of the voice lines recorded but all of the animation itself was very rudimentary. So there were like, the fanciest it got was like maybe a figure in the correct pose being moved around the environment, but not like walking. (laughs) So Like action
2: figures
1: being played with. Yeah,
0: there were T poses. There were scenes that were just like a very rudimentary sketch in terms of like, this is where this building is, this is where that building is, and I want this character to move from this point to this point. Um, But uh, between the fact that I had the original script and the voice lines, and there was some difference between them, but like I could basically tell what they were doing at every stage. So um, having been given, given access to those, my first step was essentially to like, Study it somewhat intensively and then to use that to build out the rest of everything because the rest of everything they were like, I don't know, what do you want (laughs) to do? Which is very unusual for IP projects, period, and for Star Wars in specific because usually they have like, this is your start, this is your end, and here are some things we want to happen during it. But and then you get like, your freedom to create like what that actually looks like. And there is like a very special um, kind of opportunity in that. But this one was like more in the vein of writing, you know, a typical book, which is I think why some people have been like, this feels weird. Yeah. I
2: I'm, I, kind of love that it felt like that because I feel like I feel like sometimes when I read Star Wars books, I feel that like, a oh, this feels like very, there's a neat bow on it. You know?
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
5: Um, if you could work on any of the other vision shorts to write a novel, which one would you pick?
0: Okay. So I've been asked this question in some various ways. And I think it's an interesting one because um, I don't think that all of them would be suited, best suited for a novel continuation like I've seen a lot of people very hungry for more of the ninth Jedi. And I've, I was watching it thinking and inescapably throughout the entire thing, I was thinking like, well, now how, how would I novelize this just because that's the way my brain works. I'm always kind of in storytelling mode and um, the ninth Jedi I was watching and I was like, this is not a book. It should not be a book. It it's an be anime
4: series, a
0: series, sure. or at, at least a movie, you know, like, it's already doing so much heavy lifting. Like it's already at least a third of a book on its own, if not more than that. So, yeah. Okay, and, and real can... quick,
3: how do we make that happen? Because we all want that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so does the creator though. The creators so. are on board
3: too. It's like everyone. You,
0: to, you just, you have to make noise. You have to tell Lucasfilm and Disney how much you want. It. And you also I have mean... to like, prove it with like your buying power unfortunately cuz capitalism but like that's that's what it is. <laughs>
4: I never shut up about anime so like... yeah
0: <laughs> um yeah hey, so home. like <laughs> I don't think every single short would be super well suited to a novel but um and I don't think they've publicly said which shorts they considered for it but they had boiled it down to four and I think if you just like study them with that in mind of like what can a novel do and which of these would be a good first, you know, at most three, four chapters of an entire book that you can probably identify which ones they were looking at. Um, personally, I really liked The Village Bride. Um, I also really liked Akakiti because, my God, I might make if I were given Akakiti as a project, I'd be like, OK, I'm going to do. I'm going to tell that story maybe in flashbacks during the entirety of the book because it's this <laughs> horrible underlying background noise of like what happened to create a situation. Mm-hmm. And it's so, ooh, it makes me so uncomfortable. And I like that. <laughs> 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 um, I think the Village Pride is well Suited. Um, kind of, it's almost like framing itself as episodic in a way. So you'd have to do some work to um, integrate it more fully into a giant thing the one that I think is the best suited to being the first few chapters of a novel is the elder mm. and I don't think it's necessarily like it's not my favorite there are things I love about it that I think are really neat um there are other things where I'm like i wish they had done this with it um but I absolutely think other than Ronin or the duel it's the one that makes the most sense to me in that framework. Mm-hmm.
3: And I assume just because it's so obvious, like you haven't mentioned the 1,000 plus page novel <laughs> detailing the world tour of Star Waver after the events of <laughs> Tatooine Rhapsody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that one doesn't strike me as a novel. It just doesn't. It feels like a Shonen morning cartoon. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
0: <laughs> yeah, you it the should
4: music. be. <laughs>
5: it should be. Give us more of that.
0: Yeah. So like I said, it's it's all about the one or you know what? I actually think it'd probably be a pretty good um YA or middle grade.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but yeah.
4: It would be a great middle grade book. Yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of like the middle grade Star Wars stuff. So um I think that would like fit right in. Mm-hmm. With like a companion
3: mm-hmm. soundtrack that you could like yeah. listen to yeah. while you read it. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, they should absolutely <laughs> do that. Yeah. Hey, Lucasfilm.
3: We, we've given Lucasfilm their best ideas. They haven't so capitalized many. on them yet, but we have the ball.
4: No, they took a lot of our ideas. That's true. Rise of Skywalker
3: was like 80% us. Oh my gosh.
4: <laughs> we predicted it. We we didn't think it was gonna happen. We
2: thrive on chaos <laughs> and yeah, we wrote that movie basically.
4: Our monkeys, paw. <laughs>
2: So you had, like, written this book and were kind of aware of this one story. Were you nervous at all for the reception of Visions before it came out, knowing that pretty soon after it came out, you had this book that was based on one of the shorts coming out? Like, what what was that like? Being like,
0: how are people going to take this? I mean, it's interesting because, like, to a degree, yes, but also um, I'm an anime fan. I pay attention to anime. I'm old enough now to be able to like pre select the anime that I'm going to be interested in and to only like focus on that instead of like wading through all the stuff that's not going to hook me. Um, but knowing the studios involved and the things that they had done and the things that they were capable of that I was so impressed by. It was hard to feel anything but absolute anticipation because as a fan, I just wanted it so badly. And I was sitting there thinking like, why don't I get a preview press pass? <laughs> <laughs> why don't, don't I you? Don't have to wait? Because I I wrote a book. (laughs) You of all people. Everybody else, like I didn't get like I was seeing people that I had been chatting with on Twitter get to watch it. I was like, I want it too. (laughs) Um, So for the most part, like the fan in me was like overwhelming the anxiety, which is good because it turns out I'm very prone to book anxiety. (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean. It was easy to feel anticipation over anything else just based on those track records and also the previews they were feeding us and um, watching Kamikaze Doga's progress on the duel and, you know, seeing the first version, I'm like, okay, cool. But the second version, I see uh, there's still some elements of it that are very rudimentary, but that's when they added the track layer on the music. Mm. And I spent the next, 13 minutes watching something that I had already watched multiple versions of multiple times to study it absolutely enthralled because the music just suddenly gripped me and I was like oh here it is oh my god there's gonna be nine of these (laughs) so yeah I don't know it was it was easy to just like let myself melt into the hype (laughs) yeah
2: did you do any between when visions dropped and the book came out like what are people saying about the duel? I wanna like, how are people responding to that specific short that I wrote a story about?
0: Yeah, I mean, like I kept kind of a vague eye on it. Um, I've finally almost freed myself the curse of keeping an eye on what people are saying about Star Wars Visions because it is a curse. It's not a thing I should do because a lot of people are really (laughs) excited and really lovely. And some people are like, boo, no likey, and that like hurts me. they're like suck. that's yeah. psychic damage that nobody was asking me to take. right <laughs> I just yeah. like went looking for it. Right. Um, so I finally blocked Goodreads, and my wife goes, Great. like, brings me the treasures. But, but, I'm um, sure there
2: are some treasures, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, like the same thing goes for the duel and everything, but it's like a little easier to detach from the duel because. I was working from it rather than working Right. It's it.
2: A, that's not your work. So yeah. like if people hated that, they could still read your book and love it. Yeah.
0: And like, I almost like don't think of the duel in the same way I think of the rest of Vision just because my relationship with it is so different. <laughs> um, and like, I don't know why everyone's reaction has, I don't know how everyone's reaction has evolved past the moment where they realized that Lucy Liu was voicing the bandit. Wait, that was because, Lucy Liu. Yeah, she was the. I, learned, I had to go like lie down for a minute. <laughs> That's pretty
4: I, cool. I didn't know, but I also watched them in Japanese the first round. Yeah,
1: so. I did as
0: well. Sorry, I had been watching them in watching it in Japanese the whole time. Like I never right. had the English track, so I watched it. It was the only one I watched in English because I knew it was Lucy Liu. <laughs> because I hadn't heard it before, but um, yeah, no, it's. The big cognitive dissonance, I think, and the thing that I was anxious about for a while was, like, um, the character art of the duel and was something they used a lot of in the footage, and then there were a couple shots, like the one where the Ronin's catching that lightsaber, or, you know, the one where the bandit's, like, soaring up on her lightsaber parasol, um, because those are both very cool, and... um, the thing that was nervous in my body was like there are i'm seeing a lot of cishet men very excited about this big badass that they see and that makes me very nervous yeah but there was a point and i told this to my writing group like i have gone from being very afraid of all of the cishet men very excited about my Big Grim Swordsman book to being very excited about all the cishet men I'm about to punk. And <laughs> some of them are going to be super cool about it, and I love them. Some of them are not, and you know what? Good. <laughs> I mean, those are the
4: same dudes who go on Twitter and are like, why is there so much Japan in Star Wars? As if... <laughs>
0: Like, I had already kind of made my peace with the fact that there are going to be some people who are never going to like me for very bad reasons. Mm-hmm. There are some people who aren't going to like what I do because it's just not their taste and that's fine as long as they're not being jerks about it where I can mm-hmm. see. But um, this specific kind of system, man, I'm like, whatever, <laughs> come at me. I don't care. <laughs> at some point,
4: that has to be your attitude.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad I got there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
3: We are too. <laughs> <laughs> now that you're sort of on the other side of it like how does it feel you not only is this your first stars book but this is your first like published book that's out in the universe as far as i understand like
0: yeah what how does
3: that feel how's that experience been is it
0: oh it's been surreal the whole it, way down this it. does like, it just
3: feel like f- totally fake
0: yeah oh um <laughs> but, like that's a little bit on purpose because mm. one of the reasons i'm like purposefully kind of disconnecting from run and stuff right now just mentally, is that I'm doing revisions. I Uh. gotta focus on the other one. Um, But like, yes, it was immediately, instantly weird the moment. Like, okay. Uh, The book I'm revising now is the book that I sold almost exactly a year ago on October 30th. And um, about a month before that, my agent had been like, Star Wars is looking for an author of Japanese descent. You want me to throw your name in the ring? And I would like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And she did. And she sent them a sample of that um, book that we were like in talks to an editor about. And then when they were like, hey, we want you to write this thing. Every step of the way, I was learning more about it. And it grew more and more surreal. Like, oh, they want me to write a thing. It's probably small. Oh, they want me to write a whole book. Oh, they want me (laughs) to write a highly original book based on Star Wars, but also in its origin in Japanese narrative. And that was where I sort of like had the blue screen of death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot of processing from that point on because it's just like the project itself is surreal. Like could none of us could have imagined this project existing a year mm-hmm. ago because a year ago I hadn't heard of it yet. It was like, you you would never have imagined that they would do something like this. And so one, like I would have been out of my mind excited about this book or, and this project were I not involved. Being involved was just like a hyper-magnification of that feeling to the point of like, okay, it's gonna take me a bit to process this. It's not going to be real for me a lot of the time until it sinks in over time. And at intervals, I'm going to have a period of sort of dazed ecstasy. (laughs) And um, sometimes this happened while I was driving (laughs) which was less than ideal. Um, I've been there. Okay, don't write for Star Wars.
3: It's unsafe for for the road.
0: (laughs) Um, But yeah, so no, it it is wild because I had just sold a book and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm processing the idea of being a debut author in 2023. And then they were like, how about next year? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know. I guess I'm transitioning into that space of like, I'm a published author now. That's been true for like three weeks. It's still crazy. <laughs> still unreal. Um, but I'm just trying to treat it as a fact as because I'm so aware of how things that are abstract and also outside of your control can wreck your brain. And I don't need more of that. So... <laughs> Again detachment,
3: yeah well, I um, mean it's it, it as you're describing the pitch for the project, like Delray clearly found that the perfect person for it and like you like from the descriptions you've given of yourself and from what I know of you now that I've you know learned about your work like clearly if this was like this pitch was handwritten for you and your experience and and sort of your knowledge so that you know that I think that's pretty cool that that uh, that match was able to be made and you're able to bring. That wealth of knowledge to this project.
0: I feel very fortunate. Like I am by no means the only person who could have done this book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or rather, I'm the only person who could have done this book. Somebody right. else could have done another equally cool book using sure. the same time.
3: The bare bones pitch.
0: I desperately hope they continue to do this. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think. It's been so enriching for me personally, and I've tried to create something that is enriching for other people to consume. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much opportunity and possibility. I really want it to continue.
1: Yeah.
3: Awesome. Uh, Let's get nerdy, Meg.
0: All
4: right. Uh, (laughs) Okay, like, okay, what was all this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So first off, um, I, as an Asian, Asian person, loved every auntie reference like it felt so like genuine to me and like every time I read like oh yeah an auntie saying this or an auntie doing this I'm like auntie an auntie would and like that's like one of those things where it's like it's a small thing but means so much to the people that like share that identity and have that history so just saying things.
0: <laughs> yay I did that on purpose yeah <laughs> um aunties and uncles also feature pretty heavily in like my original stuff like mm-hmm. I'm a little incapable of not writing characters like aunties as like characters in the cast I they're my role models in so many ways <laughs> because it's like yeah they don't give a fuck oh sorry can I curse no. You oh. are absolutely less as curse. much as
4: you want. You can curse okay. so much on this podcast.
1: <laughs> okay. Don't even...
0: Cool. Yeah. No, I love aunties. They're yeah. they're just like sublime um yeah. instances of themselves unto the universe and it, yeah. they're perfect. <laughs> Truly. Okay.
4: So I mean, this kind of goes back to the fact that, you know, they were looking specifically for an author of Japanese descent. So like How did it feel to write something for Star Wars specifically that is so intimately steeped like in in that culture, in like your culture?
0: I know we've said the word surreal a lot, but (laughs) weird. Like um, I've already outed myself as a person who thinks a lot in terms of meta and concepts. So like I'd spent already part of my life just for fun to myself, not writing it down for anybody. Maybe having a conversation about it with my wife about, you know, like, oh, well, you know, this is clearly what they were drawing from when they did da-da-da-da-da, and then, like, unpacking it, and then thinking about, well, you know, um, maybe one day if they let me write a Star Wars book, I'll, I'll do some funky things with the Force. <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, it was just, like, this really beautiful gift Uh, that was so inconceivable until I had it in my lap and even at that point it's like okay you gotta be careful with this one you know treasure it at the same time as you're like making it do things that it's never done before.
3: I would if you ever wrote like an annotated version of Rodin, like I would eat (laughs) that up like I've been reading your Twitter threads and and sort of articles and stuff and just this book is so dense with I don't even want to call it references because it just like is <laughs> sort of connected to Japanese culture and history. And I'm just like, like even today I was reading about how the the caves were inspired by these caves in Vietnam. And I was got lost in the Wikipedia page. Oh, yeah. I saw this on the Amazing Race many years ago. <laughs> so, you should
0: just, go. National Geographic has a guided tour.
1: It's okay.
0: So good because it's essentially like taking you on this 360 degree uh photographed tour they've like got sound effects and you can see exactly what i was thinking of in different places as i guide you through it
3: yeah that's awesome because yeah. like obviously i want to go there but this is this yeah. sounds like the next best uh next best way to do that
0: yeah they they severely limit whether tourists can go because they want to preserve it and mm-hmm. so like that was also in my on my mind when i wrote it like Now, what would capitalism do here, Uh, given free reign and the power, like, well, they would limit it to, you know, exclusive clientele because, you know, that means that they are like respecting the environment or whatever. But
1: Got
3: it. When in doubt, Emma's guiding philosophy, what would capitalism do? Noted. say. <laughs> um, but the question I really wanted to ask you is just like, how do you how do you even begin to sort of take an entire people's history and culture and sort of like pick out like these are the things that I want to incorporate into this book? Like I, I'm imagining like a whiteboard or just like, let me write everything that I know about Japanese history and culture. But like even that is just like it sounds very overwhelming to me, I think. So I'm just kind of curious. What was your process for taking All this knowledge that you had and and figuring out how to work it into the story that you told
0: well fortunately there were guardrails put in place by the duel itself Mm. and its aesthetic personality and uh which is not just in terms of like oh it's a history piece but like it's specifically jidaigeki which is usually like its heyday was um this post-war period where artists like kurosawa were working and the Kamikaze Doga Studio has talked about how they drew from specifically Yojimbo, which is another Kurosawa work. Like, that was like a huge inspiration for them. So, um, I spent some time studying post war pop culture in Japan. Uh, so, that was, you know, like some of the attitude I was thinking about because when you're looking at these pieces of art, you're always asking not only, what is it depicting, but who made it? And you know, what are they saying through it? or like what anxieties are they consciously or unconsciously exploring? And so in that, fortunately, one of the reasons I'm so interested in this period is because it resonates with a lot of my personal anxieties. So there was already kind of like a nice match, but it meant that, you know, like every once in a while I would think about like, ooh, Gosh <laughs> a Like that's not quite appropriate <laughs> for this. There's that Mecca and Jinai Geki. Like maybe I can do that in the background, but it's not going to be a focus. Or yeah. I'd be like, am I compelled to put like idol culture in this? No, it's not. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> things that occur to you when you're, you know, like I threw a lot of concepts at the wall in the beginning. And um, I was sort of like picking out the ones that sort of resonated with what was already there. And, um, yeah, that was the process by which to do it. <laughs> there's just, there's so much else going on that you could be doing, which is another reason that like, I hope they not only do more stuff with visions for other cultures, but mm-hmm. like more stuff with Japanese culture. Cause there's just so much to explore, but I had sort of like a vague sense of like, here's your material, try to keep it in here. Um, I added the folklore to it because that felt appropriate to the kind of story that Star Wars is where it like gets weird and mythic. And also like, there's already kind of some illusions within the duel to, if not mythic entities, but to like a sensibility of it, you know, like you find that temple with sort of like this Bodhisattva like, um, statue at the end and, uh, for the bandit's face mask, the um, menuroi is like in the shape of Hanya, who's a figure commonly in no theater. <laughs> so yeah, no, it just that that was how I limited my palette. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> well, what, so one of the concepts that didn't make the cut. Uh, Megan Krause uh, from Den of Geek is a friend of ours, and and she wrote oh. an article and mentioned uh, the. Uh, correct my pronunciation here, y- Yamauba?
0: Yamauba Yamuba. or Yamamba.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh,
0: Yamauba or Yamamba. Uh, <laughs> I love her. She's essentially like Japanese Baba Yaga. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and <laughs> I,
3: when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, but I want the story about this. So my question is yeah. where where would you, if you had free reign, where would you incorporate this archetype into Star Wars? Because so, I, want, I want to meet this character.
0: There was a version of it where she was the witch Mm. But then like Mm. over time it turned into more like this is a history of like these two people, you know, it's less the crone archetype than it is like a person. And also Yamamba to me has like this deep non-human presence. (laughs) Um, And so if I were to figure Yamauba, Yamamba into the world, I don't know. She'd have to be weird and unsettling. You know, like, I guess Mother Talzin fits that space Mm -hmm. in, you know, the witch crone in Star Wars proper, but I'd make her weirder (laughs) if you like, oh, is she human?
1: (laughs) We love weird.
0: Human, like alien what's going on here? I don't know. It makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know what she wants probably to eat me, but she's also <laughs> taking care of an actual child. What's going on? Because that's the whole thing with Yama Uba. She, like She will eat the world, but she also is a mother figure to one of like the famous hero characters in Japanese folklore. Um, I love her. <laughs> she sounds incredibly cool there's a very good way about her that is very strange and existential (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) let's talk (laughs) about bones yeah so
4: we have a history of bones on this really yeah we love bones because we're all about Jedi (laughs) bones we're all about Jedi bones on this podcast and like the the bone market from Theoretically, from um the last Jedi, you know how in where- the last
5: Jedi, uh, Ray like cuts that
4: uh stone and it
5: crushes the bone cart that the nuns yes. have. We decided that they're taking the bones to the bone market. Okay, and it's all right. kind of snowballed from there. Listeners, the look you, of you absolute confusion make. on Emma's face right no, now.
0: I'm I think she's looking
3: it. for this the is, nearest exit
2: my, in her own home, I, perhaps.
0: Look <laughs> well, behind me. Look at all of my bones. Who so think I am?
2: You can't just say the bone market from the last jedi. i
0: forget <laughs> i
4: forget that the bone market isn't yet. i forget because we talk about it so often that it's that's real. an inside joke <laughs> <laughs> well it's because it's because like according to the last jedi viz Dick, um they have a celebration once a month oh hi teddy um (laughs) they have a celebration once a month and like that's the bone market they take the bones to the bone market and the whole reason why they let luke stay on the island was to hopefully get his bones when he died but then he just disappeared and they were really (laughs) mad about it very rude of him (laughs) right so rude (laughs) much like he
3: showed up he took advantage of their hospitality and then didn't even leave
4: a tip (laughs) Much like when, like all of us in our DM <laughs> was just like, couldn't send the bone shirts so home. Jedi don't leave bones. We're all like, Jedi bones.
0: <laughs> I'm so delighted to have fed that to you in this yeah.
4: Um But like on a more serious note is, did you take like, because it's mentioned a couple times of like collecting bones um, and like kind of putting people to rest. Like, did you take that from like, Japanese traditions like Kotsuage.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Because, yeah. um, you know, like there's, as soon as I knew ghosts were going to be a thing, like, that was uh, when I told my agent, she was like, oh, shocker. Jemma's writing about ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're writing about bones again? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> So yeah, like as soon as I knew that that was gonna be a theme, cause it was, cause I was like, I realized, oh, it makes perfect sense to bring the bandit back because if this is an inciting event, like you don't want that to be a one-off character. That's just like, that's weak. Um, so like, okay, ghosts are around. Well then now I actually have to think about what they do um, with the dead and the things you leave behind in ancestor worship, as it manifests in Japan um, with its sort of melange of Shinto and Buddhist beliefs, Um, cremation and the bone shards and the ancestral shrine. Those are all like just part of your life, you know? Um, My family practices cremation, um, which like a lot of my family is Christian, but like in Hawaii, the way in which you're Christian is not necessarily the way in which you're Christian elsewhere. It kind of depends, like it's all colored by, like the things you're surrounded by. And so, yeah, uh, I also knew that there was gonna be an element of like what your connection to the dead is Mm -hmm. just because of the way things were shaping up with um, this lost planet of uh, Deizu and with Ikea, this character who's from it, and who's trying to shepherd the ghost's home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, no. And also I, I thought it was funny for people to be arguing. And like, I had this whole thing in my head of like, oh my God, what if the princess has absolutely gone to his brother's home and stolen all the bone shards? and brought it to <laughs> his. And they're, like, they're mine now, bitch. <laughs> um, this is, you know, like, politics, I didn't make it onto the page, but I you had know- it in my head. <laughs>
4: I would, I would absolutely watch like a period drama of those like princes just being dicks to each other.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> <watch
4: Yeah. that. laughs> just petty, <laughs> petty stuff back and forth.
0: Yeah. Cause like these. Ooh, ooh, I have a lot of opinions about how bad that's about it to blow up. But, um, that was not the book I wrote. Yeah. So
3: again, that's not- where an annotated version could come into play here.
4: <laughs> right, right. Here's here's 12 pages about what I think about these princes.
0: <laughs> I mean, I try to not say too much because there's a possibility, right. like who knows? Hopefully, they ask me to come do something else. It might not be attached to visions. It mm-hmm. might ask somebody else to do something in this universe. So I kind of want to be hands-off, you know, mm-hmm. um, with whatever they want to do because it's it's not my stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go play my own stuff. <laughs> right. So
4: you brought up Koru, and yes. I just have to say that Kodu's arc was such a big surprise. Like from watching the duel, I never would have expected, one, her to have like such a huge role in this story and as well as like kind of this arc that she had and kind of settling on her final mission of like saving these children from what she was forced to go through. And so like, can you talk more about like why you wanted to use Koru uh, and like, what were you thinking for for her development?
0: Yeah. Okay, so um, like I mentioned, uh, it occurred to me fairly early on when I was structuring things like, oh, you should bring the bandit back, not just because you want her and you like scary Sith ladies, but because (laughs) this is now not a standalone. It's a book. Mm -hmm. So it's much more satisfying when things you are introduced to continue to be relevant. Um, So it made a lot of, narrative sense to have her on the page and to also like then be able to use her as a foil for the ronin you know he's the main character so to a degree everybody's a foil for him mm-hmm. but she's bringing a particular experience of having joined his rebellion and having believed in it wholeheartedly even past its death um and Yeah, so I knew from the beginning that I was going to like force her to be one of those people who's like, I don't want to be here, but I am here. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I guess I'm part of the party now. (laughs) (laughs)
3: It fits so well.
0: (laughs) Um, So I knew that was going to happen. And I knew it was going to happen like around the scene with the Jedi Dreadnought. Like that was going to be her heel turn point where she's starting to like register, oh, I don't like being controlled by this presence that has taken control of my life and my body this is too reflective of what happened to me before can't can't do it and um i did not know any of the action that was going to happen on the dreadnought (laughs) It was just in the outline like they get on it it's bad the jedi lord resurrects they gotta go (laughs) and um i didn't know that the kids were gonna be around for the last like third fourth of the book Mm -hmm. but they were it just made more sense like i rewrote that section multiple times trying to figure out where everybody was going to be how they were all going to reconvene and the kids were just there it made more sense for them to be around and then there were just a lot of opportunities with them and it also there was a lot of resonance with the fact that kodu had had that moment of oh you're me I have to be the one to get you out of here. I can't let your lives be defined either by these people or those people, both of whom have fucked me over now. Mm-hmm. And nobody else is gonna do it because you were abandoned by everyone except this old lady who's dying, as far as I can tell. Because Codu seems to think once you're older than 45, you're at death's door. <laughs> Gen Z,
4: like what a zoomer. <laughs>
0: Typical Gen Z being like, oh, you're, <laughs> you're 23.
4: Yeah. Oh, you're
0: old now. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen people going like, is the running really old? as me?' in like his forties or fifties? I'm like, yeah. You know who calls him the old man? Kodu. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the rude one. <laughs> right. It's rude. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know that was going to be the mechanism of it. Like. I kind of knew it was going to start with, before Aiden knew the character's name, the pilot, Ikea, because this was going to be the person who is not the space wizard, who can like, who's going to force her to talk like a person <laughs> who's not going to be talking in terms of these grand stakes, but it's going to be like, hey, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and, um, yeah. I yeah. really
4: loved the relationship that developed between um. Akia and and Koru like it was really genuine and like the way that it (laughs) unfolded like felt very real um and I also have to say that like just in general for the kids like I really appreciate that this feels like it's the first Star Wars anything that has like point blank said that like children should not be saddled with such huge <laughs> burdens and responsibilities.
3: And Pay attention, that, like, Yoda.
4: Right, <laughs> that like this this should you are a kid, right? Being thirteen, you are a child, and you shouldn't have to be making these kinds of decisions. And like that's maybe implied in other Star Wars stuff, but like this book outright said it, and I feel like it was very important. <laughs>
0: I mean like again I didn't know the kids were going to be around so that wasn't something I planned it was just like the moment that I had Ikea in the same room as like the one kid who like has a name and is sort of like the person that they all talk to to represent the kids, Yuihiro. It's like, oh, oh this is god. a conversation they're gonna have <laughs> where is gonna be like, How do I help? And she's gonna be like, You don't, you're 14. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Go take a nap, have a no, have child. Do you have hobbies? No. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jedi in training. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, like that's the nature of this system. Um where the Jedi are only prizing martial abilities. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't good at that, they're like, okay, well, I guess you'll be cannon fodder. And it's like, well, this sucks. Are <laughs> <So laughs> you just <laughs> smart, but so you got Or you Poor hero. I'm glad he got out.
4: <laughs> yeah. We- um- this let's like talk about you thing. a hero yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, yeah we love you a hero
3: obviously uh i mean i as far as we can tell the first known instance of hrt representation in star wars which is not a thing that i ever thought i'd get to see or talk about uh so that's amazing and just like more broadly like at last count like the number of queer characters in this book is um oh every single one of them which is just incredible <laughs> and just like can you sort of talk about like what what was uh, the process of bringing these uh, queer characters to the page for you
0: so the only character i know is definitely so because there was a point i was making there is Hanrai. anyone Ooh. else you can read however the fuck you want mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> like uh, there's obviously some things about some people but like i'm very hands-off about that it's yours now do with it what you will great we're, <laughs> we're very in
3: the market of queering up every character we can yeah, so yeah,
4: absolutely <laughs> But of course, I'm, Han Rice is it. Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to have Han Rice. Right?
0: right? Yeah. You know, like, that's that's a point, you know? Yeah. Like, I could have written him as queer, but I chose not to mm-hmm. because he's, like, it's Star Wars, so every character is a representation as well as, right. well as a character, even right. more strongly than usual. And he's representing an attempt to cleave to a norm you know, he has very like ideas about like, well, everyone should be treated fairly and justly, mm-hmm. but this is the system we live in. And as far as he's seen, cleaving to the system is how you protect people. So he thinks that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also manipulative and a politician, frankly, kind of a dick, but he, he's <laughs> being interpersonally respectful. You, oh, don't, um, you don't get
4: to that top echelon of like leadership and wealth. by really being a good person
0: right that's what I try to keep in mind all the time whenever I'm like looking at politicians even ones that I really like that who like represented my values I'm like you don't put yourself in that position unless you have a certain kind of inclination and ability and I respect that you're fighting for these things but I have to know that about you all the time
1: anyway Mm
0: -hmm. um queerness in this book is a factor of I think a lot of people who are marginalized go through this phase of like well I can't do too much of that in my writing like that would probably be too much it probably will be accepted like I I won't get my chance to really like have an audience but thankfully with queerness I I, uh, got over that a while back and was like (laughs) (laughs) yeah I guess I just write queer books Um, because part of that is reconciling with you know do you want to talk to everybody or are you trying to talk to a specific audience? And Star Wars is a fascinating instance where I'm not sort of like pre-selecting my audience in a lot of ways. They are gonna be people who are interested in a Star Wars book that's a little left of center in the, not in terms of its politics, but in terms of like what it is. Um, But, you know, they're not here because they're like, oh, a queer author writing a queer book, which Mm. I think will often be the case with my future work Um, but that was what happened and I didn't know if I was going to get away with it but I did and I've described it as like I thought I was playing with gay chicken with Star Wars and Lucasfilm and in the end it turned out I was only ever playing it with myself because they're like yeah you're doing it respectfully and well you can do whatever you want (laughs) and um, (laughs) yeah so that that was that was what it was. Like I've just, I, in my head when I'm writing about characters, they often end up being some iteration of queer. Um, they're very rarely ciset men. Um, I will write cis women sometimes, but like those are specifically the characters I'm interested in working with. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm one of those people who had a cohort of people in high school where like some of us came out in the ninth grade. Some in the tenth, maybe, you know, a few more in senior year, and then by the time we're coming back from college every year, more and more people are like, "Hey, guess what?" Yeah, <laughs> just, you know, like the way. That, Funny how like, that happens. Weird. <laughs> yeah. This is by no means a singular instance. Like we don't
1: mm-hmm.
0: necessarily know how this happens, but it's just like the sense of, "Oh, you probably won't do a hate crime to me." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's also just like, if I, if someone asked me like, well, why did you write so many trans people they it? Like, well, my best friend in kindergarten was definitely trans. I don't know if his parents knew the word or had the vocabulary, but they did have the understanding and sensitivity to be like, this is our kid. He is a boy. The school would be like, I'm confused. And they'd be like, well, what are you going to do about I'm, it? I'm telling like, you like, the facts
4: right now. Yeah, right? Like,
0: like, he wears- how are you
4: confused? <laughs>
0: He wears boy clothes and like now he has the vocabulary and like understands himself and like is able to live in the world as himself. And thank God he had parents who were there to like help him and protect him at every stage. But like, since I was in kindergarten, I have had close relationships with people who it turns out are trans. (laughs) Um, And like one of my first, um uh romantic relationships as a kid was with someone like I went from being like yeah they were my first girlfriend to being like yeah he was my second boyfriend (laughs) um so yeah it's part of my life I'm very protective of all the trans people I know (laughs) and I didn't originally have the HRT line in it was just like the only knot I had was here's a kid who showed up and like all the kids are encouraged change names for Mm -hmm. a variety of like insidious political reasons but whatever they're all asked to do that it's tradition and he did it a couple times and then like switched dormitories and i knew that somebody was gonna be like I didn't read that as trans (laughs) yeah I think like that's kind of the
4: difficulty of it right (laughs) is that like if you try to be like more subtle about it people can be willfully obtuse yeah. So it's like you want to have like like at that line, I knew I was like, yeah, "We're going down like this like road. You we're know? doing it."
0: Yeah. Uh, My but then, like, picked up on it. Like the, the
4: hormone therapy, right? Made it very clear. Yeah. That yeah. that like yes, you a hero's trans. Um. Yeah. But that like
0: the I, line I put in because I was like, I want people arguing with this to sound like the village idiot.
4: Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um. But I also think it's funny you mentioned that like for whatever reason, like some cis people just don't believe that like queer people hang out together, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. Like, like why would we having not? more wh- more than one queer people, like queer person in a group? And I'm like, sounds suspicious because everyone yeah, they've seen they on they TV has have have been, been a two. token
3: character instead right. of like this,
4: <laughs>
1: because this it's must like be
3: funded
2: by George Soros. This <laughs> get together,
4: right? Because like I think I think about it, and I'm like, no, we have like a token straight. Yeah, like, yeah. I, my yeah. and we like love like him very
2: much.
1: Yeah, my friend has a token straight.
0: I'm so glad you're here.
1: You're
2: safe in this space Heath, you're welcome. I love all of you so much.
0: (laughs) I love you. I love that you're here.
2: (laughs) I'm kind of obsessed with the phrase playing gay chicken with Lucasfilm. That,
0: me too. (laughs) Me too.
2: (laughs) I am going to- I need you to Photoshop that, that, Heath.
3: For a long time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, I wasn't. I was only playing it with myself. Because again, they were extremely cool and extremely good. And I want to credit not just my editor and not just the story group, but every single other author for star wars who has been pushing this door Mm -hmm. incrementally open again and again and again so i could just sort of like jog through it and go where's the resistance i don't get it (laughs) right
2: (laughs) right like this is maybe a book you couldn't have written just a couple of Mm -hmm. years ago which is fascinating to think about
0: i think you are completely correct and i really want E.K. Johnston and Justina Ireland and Daniel Jose Older and Claudia Gray and uh, Kevin Scott and everybody else who's been like pushing for this to get the credit for the work they've done. Shadow son. Yeah, don't forget. <laughs> don't forget. Shadow <laughs> son, Alexander Freed. Yes, Alexander Freed. Oh my God, yes. He, we love um, Alexander Freed. I, Alexander. Love, he I love his. God, they probably I just, did play
2: gay chicken with Lucasfilm. <laughs> yes.
0: I, I sit there with his writing, and I go, "Oh, I want to write like this." Yeah, me yeah. too. He's like
5: big inspiration. Yeah. <laughs>
4: so dense um fun fact he's the only other interview we've ever done on this show oh, cool yeah. so,
0: i want to hang company. out with him
2: <laughs> yeah. he's in good company yeah that he too well, uh, let's just
3: quickly shout out, I saw on Twitter that you yes. mentioned that your favorite Star Wars book was Wraith Squadron, and we have to mention this because this is one of the first books we read as a podcast, so uh, just cur- besides the obvious like connection that all the characters in the book need therapy, was there any other sort of like Easter eggs or little bits that you brought into Ronan, inspired by your favorite Star Wars book, Wraith Squadron?
0: Uh, I like that Aaron Alston is funny. Mm. I <laughs> tried to be funny too. Yeah. <laughs> because I think, I don't know, I really like Hamster Jedi.
1: Because
0: um, Hamster Jedi is the one I call who like got stuck in that pod <laughs> because Conan yes. talked about Stone Cold.
1: that's
0: what I call their getting a long shirt mission. Um, <laughs> And then, like, there was Hamster Jedi, and I realized at some point I had not dealt with Hamster Jedi. And, like,
3: <laughs> Darn, <laughs> guess we need a spinoff.
0: <laughs> well, no, they, they they were like, I guess we're going to extract him and send him away now. Just I'm like this is, to <laughs> Throw me, him
4: in this pod.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Hamster that's, Jedi
3: that's said, yeet.
0: That's all the influence of Aaron Alston in my mind. He was the one who was, like, really good at incorporating that very human comedy into mm-hmm. Star Wars. And mm-hmm. so, like... I was thinking of that the whole time yeah the
4: Ronin had a little bit of like Ton Fanon vibes too and I was just like yeah yeah.
0: I feel called out because he was the character I latched onto (laughs) wow
4: we know something about Star
2: Wars (laughs)
0: Um, you can't get
2: anything past (laughs) us.
0: I read these when I was like 13, 14 when they came out and I have not read them since so it was like I can't talk critically about it in a way because I read it before I had a critic brain. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can only like try and remember the things that stuck out to me that probably continued with me forever. And he was one. Like that that character has always like been in my head. Um, And just like the pure character of those books, which is just like, they have such personality. I love them. Absolutely. Oh,
4: that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's so great. So I do want to ask one last question, because we've actually, as we've been going through Visions, um, I've talked a lot, like I, I mean, besides being like a big anime fan, I do have an academic background in like Mm. Japan studies. Um, And so like, I've been talking a lot about like, name meanings, right, Mm -hmm. and like the very purposeful name meanings that come up in like, Japan and Japanese culture and like the naming conventions. So like, as I was reading through Ronin, Obviously, even the name Ronan has huge significance. Um, but, like, were there any other, like, names of things that you felt were, like, very specific and, like, you're putting this in here as, like, a little, like, peop- somebody might get this kind of
0: thing? Not okay. So, no, because I don't like names. They're hard for me. <laughs> Fair. So I tend to, like... The first version of the synopsis had no names. It was just like the Ronin, the traveler, the pilot, like mm-hmm. the veteran for GA. And it was just like, and um, Tom came up to me and was like, Are you gonna name these people?
4: <laughs> <laughs> we love I was Tom like, from yes, <laughs>
0: eventually. Yeah. And um, but I explained to him like they're they don't come to me very naturally, like, yeah. and I also kind of dread the significant name. I don't really like it that much. However, um, so you know, uh, some of the names are parts of a friend's name where I asked them or a loved one where I'm like, "What's the part of your name that you would want me to preserve?" Mm. Um, so uh, Kodu comes from my wife Nikodu as she was called in Japan, oh. um, <laughs> very proud of her farrelset daughter, um, and then Ikiya is another friend of mine. Um, and I was sort of like trying to maximize her compassion and the way that she's always like, and she, she's always a Han Solo, this friend of mine. And then um, Izuna for the Travelers from a friend who like has a deep adoration for what she hopes the Jedi could be. Mm. <laughs> um, so it was just sort of like very appropriate for the character. But the other funny thing about Izuna was that I realized belatedly that it's a regional name for Inari, Kitsune <laughs> deity. Like, ugh, that's very on the nose. Like, that's almost, yeah, that works but really
4: well with the fox.
0: But I guess I'll leave it. Whatever, I like <laughs> it too much to change it. Um, Other than that, uh a lot of the place names were like I would think of a couple words that I felt fit the place, and then I would go and I would. Find incorrect readings for the kanji because, like, there's rules about the way the right. kanji are <laughs> to read together, and I would violate every rule. I would like to switch the order. So, deizu, uh in the right order is Izure, and those are misreadings of the word for Kosen or Yomi, which is the Shinto underworld. Mm-hmm. Multiple things actually on Neizu are named are like misreadings of those same two kanji. <laughs> um That's a huge kind of like- run out of. Asian
4: diasporum.
0: <laughs> uh, Genbara like... is just two different readings of the word for field <laughs> put together. Amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> like it's Inaka, right? It's the countryside. Right. Um, and then yeah, no, that's that's most of it. Like Seikara, I don't remember what they are. Dekian yeah. also um Shinsui is just incorrect reading for Kiyomizu because I had given up. <laughs> So like when my mom was like, oh, this is Kiyomizu Dara. Like we went there together and I was like, yes. So it is yes, totally is the same also. <laughs> uh, I, Neizu King last, right? It's the last thing I work on. And I'm right. like, what does it look like? I kind of have these ideas and I ended up just defaulting to Kyoto and Nara mm-hmm. because one, I love Kyoto and Nara. They're my favorite place to visit in Japan. Yeah, And also it was just very appropriate because it's like, This old place that has a lot of historical significance for Japan and lots of weird temples and shrines
4: for sure. Perfect. Uh, That's what it was. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. (laughs)
1: Uh, Okay,
4: so thank you so much um for like answering our questions and sharing your experience and insight um and like i'm so happy to have like a an asian star wars author like that means like that like seeing base and cheer or like seeing space asians
1: yeah and then like
4: <laughs> to also have like oh asian authors um like means a lot and like knowing that lucas that like lucasfilm or disney or whoever like specifically like made sure they're like we need someone of Japanese descent to like Mm -hmm. author this like means a lot and like those are the kinds of things that like you know i as like a creator of color like a marginalized person that like i need to hear that like i need to hear that like we're we're there are opportunities out there so like that's amazing and i'm so glad that like you got to have that opportunity and like i hope you get so many more opportunities (laughs) um (laughs) so um uh, we don't want to keep you much longer, so...
2: Your next book, The Archive Undying, is described as a queer novel about giant robots, which, needless to say, has us pretty intrigued. Um, <laughs> what can you tell us about that one?
0: So you know how we were talking about bones? Yes! Oh my god, yes! <laughs> I do know
1: how we were
3: talking about Oh, bones. I see, you're gonna uh... directly attack us with your marketing pitch. <laughs>
0: So, yeah. <laughs> at one point we were joking when we were trying to find a title because my original title, Reiterate with a colon, had actually broken the database at Tor.com and com. <laughs> a new title Oh, um, I love that. Or just based on that Too but, powerful. So we were like joking about what about Big Bone Naruto versus Feral Gundam <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> could not get that past licensing sold. Um Sold. <laughs> There was just a point at which uh <laughs> my editor Carl was reading it and he was like, I realized that this particular mech is not like a Gundam kind of mech, it's like a giant Naruto made of bones. And I was like, and coral, <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> oh, we've uh, lost you're Meg. speaking Meg's language, yeah. <laughs> Meg- you and Meg are the same. Person, you already well. said
4: bones, and then you added coral on top of that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, it's, I'm an ocean dweeb. So it's a story boom.
0: about a world uh, where divine AIs rule city states. Oh
1: my god! However,
0: sometimes the AIs corrupt, and it's very, very bad because they do so very explosively. They're so integrated with their city states that the entire city state suffers for it in various ways, depending on what that particular AI was up to. And it can also corrupt humans. And if those humans survive, sometimes they're picked up by a group of people or taking the corpses of these eyes and making them into giant fuck off robots what? to try and protect themselves from the AIs that still exist. Because oh they're like, what if you corrupt? Um,
5: oh my God. I feel like you're trying to, to sell us. this to me just as much as Megan now. Uh,
0: the main character. Like, the AI these, part for you. Yeah. The main character is one of these corrupted humans who's been on the run because he does not want to do that. And he gets dragged back into it because a friend approaches him to go, hey how do you feel about killing God? <laughs> and wow. uh, the mission is to go destroy the robot they made out, of, these guys made out of the corpse of their old God. But there are complications of course, because uh, he's just met up with this researcher who seems to be digging into the reason for corruption and may have uncovered more than any of them really want to know, but that's all mm. coming to a head within the course of this book. I'm it's working not- on it. <laughs>
1: Amazing! Cool. So, this sounds not so a Star good. Wars
2: book, but we'll have you on to discuss it. Yeah,
4: okay, cool. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna need to talk about that book. Yeah, we're gonna need to get you back <laughs> on for this. <laughs> Hooray! I, I'm sorry, but I know gay chicken with Lucasfilm, great, but the phrase "big
1: bone narrative" <laughs> 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 bones with is, coral
4: is, is going to be in my head for forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love Me too. It. <laughs> I've been telling that joke for a year now. It's, it's
5: a amazing. good joke. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. So, where can people keep up with you online if they want to find you?
0: Yeah. Okay. So, I'm sometimes on Twitter at Emma Candon, E M M A C A N D O N. I'm more, f- uh, I have been increasingly frequently on Tumblr at M Candon, E M C A N D Theater- O N. Theoretically, also on Instagram under I am Candon, though I forgot to post even on release day. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, That's about it. I also have a newsletter, which you can find off of the link tree on my Twitter. Um, and I'm trying to do that once a month to talk about interesting things. I'll probably unpack more of like how I wrote Ronin, though I'm gonna try and keep it spoiler light. I might start a Patreon to do more spoiler type talk about like the way it was constructed So yeah, no, just like go check out uh, at Emma Candon on Twitter and I'll always tell people what I'm doing there because that's like the professional space.
5: As a Twitter enthusiast, I can say you've got a good Twitter.
0: Oh, yay. (laughs) I try to avoid it unless I have something funny to say. All of us (laughs) are...
4: Perhaps too much on Twitter, so. <laughs>
1: do online not, with Twitter.
5: Do not ever look at the number of how many tweets I've tweeted. Don't <laughs> oh, ever look. Don't
4: look. <laughs> Since 2008. Like, don't.
2: Founding <laughs> member. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so again, we really can't thank you enough for coming onto the show to talk about ronin and Star Wars and Bones. That was such an unexpected Bones. but great surprise. Oh my <laughs> So you're absolutely welcome back here anytime. Um talk about race Squadron. Maybe you'll reread them. <laughs> I keep on thinking I should. <laughs> they are- if you don't
5: want to <laughs> have you read them relatively recently, they are still good. If you don't want to
4: read them, so our Road Pleasant started as a book. Don't podcast. don't pitch our podcast
1: <laughs> no, to no, anyway. No, no there are good episodes. Sapp <laughs> has a horse
4: voice. Steph does do a horse voice. I did okay. do Rudd's voice, yeah. Oh, amazing. Like, the the Wraith Squadron episodes are good. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. have some confidence in you that was that was when we peaked. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Emma. We won't keep you any longer. Thank um, you. Would like, you like to take- pew
5: with us before you go? Oh what? yeah! At the end of an episode, we always pew pew together.
0: Oh pew pew! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you gotta add the extra pew. Sorry, we right? I guess
3: pew pew sounds better. Than-
0: yeah. <laughs> are we going to My church? My wife is trying. To- <laughs> you can walk past. You're fine. My wife's here. <laughs> she was trying to catch our cat.
1: Oh, good luck. How <laughs> he
0: goes? Oh. Uh- <laughs> He's not hard to catch he's pretty stupid <laughs>
4: <laughs> i love a stupid same cat. <laughs> love a stupid
5: child. oh no
0: i got the old one instead all right yeah dude, <gasps> got a cat, my cat? yeah is right. this
3: and this is the one that was the inspiration for a certain uh no, oh no
0: stupid one this this, okay <laughs> is stupid. <laughs> this is dude dude is old and loud and so kind pretty. of limp <laughs> Oh my I <laughs>
3: <goodness. laughs> oh <my> Again, God. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a rough year.
0: That's relatable. Okay. <laughs> like. All right, so pew pew. Yes. yes.
4: Pew, 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 pew,
3: You're a professional. That was great. You're yeah, doing
4: great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Seriously.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for chatting.
5: You ok-
4: fold and you Prav- crowd and you break and you take what you get and you turn
5: it into. Honestly, you promised me I'm never going to find you fake it.
1: No, no.
4: keith you muted come on
5: Heath.
2: And sorry <laughs> uh-huh. i know we've, we've been doing this for what a year and a half full time basically and i still do it uh it's
3: fine it's not like we I, have a famous person on the podcast today yeah, or anything keith,
4: we have been recording via the computer the entire
1: time <laughs> yeah. has existed, so. okay, but pandemic whatever uh